views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show was pre-recorded earlier this week. The Everyday Wealth Radio Show and podcast are produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky and Soledad O'Brien. Ms. Chatsky and Ms. O'Brien are not employees or clients of the firm. They receive fixed cash compensation for acting as hosts and related activities and therefore have an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everyday-wealth. The 2021 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm Ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed, revenue generated, regulatory records, staffing levels and diversity, technology spending, and succession planning. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2021 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien, personal finance expert Gene Chatsky, and Edelman Financial Engine's wealth planner Rose Neong. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky, Soledad O'Brien, and Rose Neong. Right now, it feels like we're in the middle of a dance. And it's not a fun dance. It's a bad dance. But it's a dance that impacts all of us. It's a dance between the rate of inflation and rising interest rates. Two big things that we have no control over, but we all feel the beat of that dance regardless. Now, perhaps you're off doing your own little two-step on the side. You're putting off buying expensive items because prices are just too high. You're put off trying to figure out big retirement decisions that are impacted by interest rates and inflation. So we thought today we'd dive into why you should continue to be interested in interest rates. Hi, everybody. I'm Soledad O'Brien. I'm Rose Young. And I'm Jean Chatsky. And you're listening to Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth. A few weeks ago now, Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, gave a speech, a big speech, actually, in Jackson Hole. And he reaffirmed that the number one job the Fed is working on right now is lowering inflation. And that, of course, means that they will continue with their series of interest rate hikes as a method for cooling the economy. So right after Powell's speech, markets tumbled. And now we're in this period of time where analysts and investors, they're trying to predict the size of the next interest rate hike by the Federal Reserve. It'll come later in September. Will it be a half a point? Will it be a quarter of a point? The markets, which are trying to guess, they move day to day as they try to price in those potential hikes. But Rose, I I look toward the end of September. We know that there is another hike coming, barring some really significant and surprising news. Is there any good news that comes with another rate hike? There are definitely a silver linings. As we know, we have been in a rising interest rate environment since the second quarter of this year. As inflation keeps climbing, as you've mentioned, Jean, the Fed is really trying to get a grip on inflation and cool down the economy a bit. So if you are saving money, as we've been telling you over the past uh, you know, few months and making sure that you have a good emergency fund, you should be looking forward to those uh, savings accounts uh, having a little bit of, of a higher interest rate. 
if you are a social security recipient, you should be looking forward to the biggest increase in your monthly payments in quite a while. As you know, the cost of living adjustments on social security or COLA are tied to inflation. And uh, they are set to be over 9% in 2023, according to the Senior Citizens League, with inflation being at a 40-year high. And as Soledad, you mentioned, we are all feeling the effects of it. An increase of an average of $159 a month will come very helpful to those who are collecting Social Security. And it's just important to keep in mind that the SSA COLA is actually based on inflation readings from July, August, and September. So, Rose, with this new increase, does it change the advice you might give me, say, if I had planned to delay getting Social Security? I mean, with this with this new COLA, it might be more attractive to do it earlier. Not necessarily. Your financial plan should not consider Social Security in isolation. I advise my clients on when to take their Social Security based on their overall financial plan. An example would be Jean's fears of living till 105. If (laughs) if you have one of those, taking Social Security later still makes absolute sense regardless of the cost of living increases. Also, just want to point out that Just because you delay doesn't mean that you can no longer take advantage of the COLA increases. If you are over the age of 62, COLA is going to be built into your future payments regardless of when you receive your benefit. Soledad, I think it's important to separate two things here. When we talk about delaying Social Security, we talk about delaying because on average, you get an 8% increase in your benefits for every year that you wait to take them between 62 and 70. But also every year, there's a cost of living increase. And there's a smaller one when inflation is lower and a bigger one when inflation is higher. We got a very big one in historical terms last year. And we're going to, as Rose said, get a big one this year. Those are going to be built into everybody's payments throughout the years. And just like when you get a raise at your job, the next raise keys off the one before, these are just going to keep going. Social security goes up with inflation and you're going to continue to get that no matter when you take it. And one of the reasons you should talk to a financial planner Make sure that social security distribution strategies, inflation, interest rates are all included in your overall financial plan. If you don't have one, you can certainly reach out to one of my 300 plus colleagues at Edelman Financial Engines by simply calling 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-PLAN-EFE. We are talking with Rose Neung, a wealth planner from Edelman Financial Engines. We're digging into this conversation about interest rates and why we need to think about and care about and, in fact, follow what's going on with the Federal Reserve. Rose, Social Security is one part of the equation. What happens to Medicare with these interest rate hikes? Do they get a similar cost of living adjustment? So the good news is this year, it seems that uh, Medicare is going to remain about the same, about $170 a month on average. And I know many of my clients are really, really excited about that 
because they're coming off of this really bad taste in their mouth for Medicare going up about 14.5% last year. So that'll just make that $159 a little bit more impactful because Medicare isn't going up this high at the same time. Another potential good news will be a slight decline in Medicare Part D, that is your prescription side of your Medicare. With the recent Inflation Reduction Act that was passed, the government now has the ability to negotiate certain prescription drugs within the Medicare Part D program. You mentioned a a minute or two ago savings rates and the fact that savers have been waiting a really long time to actually make some money on their money. And I have a high yield savings account, a high interest rate savings account. This week got another note from them. Hey, saver, your interest is going up, which makes me happy. It's not enough to keep up with inflation, but it's not nothing like we were getting before. It seems like you're talking about a handful of interesting upsides and important upsides, but I think we all think of the downsides probably more easily. Walk through some of those downsides. Um, Maybe start with the obvious one, which is, you know, interest rate is going to impact if you're trying to borrow some money. Absolutely. So debt is just going to continue to get more expensive. So you have to really, really now look at if you weren't before, which you should have, necessary debt versus debt that could have been avoided if you just planned better. Having that emergency fund, as we've talked about here so many times, is just going to give you an option to not get yourself in trouble. And going back to those basic financial planning tools of planned expenses versus unexpected expenses, right? If you have an AC unit, for example, that you've called the repairman on a couple times, you should have already or should start saving a little bit of money for that so that you wouldn't have to solely rely on debt. Now is also the time shopping for interest rates on your savings, shopping for rates on your debt as well, uh, making sure that what is better, do you get an instrument that is more of a variable interest rate, which in a rising interest rate environment could be devastating, right? Or do you look at an instrument that's a fixed interest rate, better for you to kind of weave into your budget? And it's so important when you look at things like mortgages, like home equity loans, like those savings rates, the discrepancies can be a point, two points in some instances. And so taking a little bit of time to just really shop around and again, focus on your credit score because that's one of those things that you can control that can help move the interest rates in the right direction. We're going to continue this conversation on why you should be interested in interest rates, specifically if you're in the market for a big ticket item. I'm Soledad O'Brien, along with Gene Chatsky and Rose Young. You're listening to Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth. We'll be right back. Recession, inflation, rising interest rates. If you're wondering what today's economic challenges mean for you, join Edelman Financial Engines on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern for a brand new virtual event, The Economic Storm of 2022 and Your Wealth, a roundtable discussion hosted by me, Jean Chatsky, and featuring wealth planners from Edelman Financial Engines. You can register right now at planefe.com. You'll get timely insights into today's market situation and learn steps to consider now. Are you making the right financial moves? What could you be doing differently? Don't miss this important virtual event. Join us for the economic storm of 2022 and your wealth hosted by me, Jean Chatsky, on Tuesday. September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. There is no cost to attend. There's also no obligation. 
So you can register right now at planefe.com. That's planefe.com for Edelman Financial Engines. Have you been putting off buying a big ticket item, just waiting for prices to hopefully come down, interest rates to stabilize, maybe supply chains to clear up a little bit? And maybe you have pushed the timing so far that now you're just stuck. That fridge that was making a weird noise, it is now completely stopped. It it seems like Every time I talk with a friend, I talk with my husband, because as you know, we've been going through our own series of renovations. These are the stories that I'm hearing. These surprise purchases have gone from something that would be nice to replace, maybe someday, maybe a few months down the road. They're things that we absolutely have to replace right now. Hey, everybody. I'm Jean Chatsky. I'm here with Soledad O'Brien and Rosene Young. You're listening to Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth. And we've been talking about the impact of rising interest rates on your own personal economy and where there's a little bit of good news that may trickle down to you as a saver or a retiree. But now we're flipping the coin. We're going to focus on the pinch of higher financing costs that are going hand in hand with those higher prices that you might be feeling on big ticket items because it really is a one-two punch. We've got these rising interest rates. They threaten to cool spending on big ticket items that get financed. Simultaneously, we've got this backlog in unfulfilled orders that is expected to offset any cooling in demand. I have a friend who has been waiting a year for a dishwasher. And now if she were to finance it, it would be a lot more expensive than it would have been a year ago. I'm in the same exact boat. We need all of that stuff for this house that we're renovating. And so it's been a bit of a mess. Rose, I'm curious, what is the strategy then if you're talking about something? I mean, obviously, a dishwasher is not going to be over $10,000. But let's pick something that's that's really big, like that's, that's going to cost you $10,000. What should you be considering if you're thinking about making this really big purchase? Well, I really hope you do have a good emergency fund. If you live in an older home or drive an older car, you kind of have to start doing an inventory to see how much you should really have in your emergency fund. If you are going to go into debt, please have a plan to get out of it. If you have to finance some of those big ticket items, ask yourself, does my income allow me to pay down this debt with the least amount of interest? And if so, shop around for the terms of that loan, as we've mentioned before. Don't just go with the first entity that offers you a good rate. All right, let's make the price tag even bigger than that $10,000. My husband and I now, we are embarking on a renovation at our house at the Jersey Shore. It's not an enormous renovation, but it does involve putting in an elevator. Many of the houses at the Jersey Shore, particularly after Sandy, are raised, and that means a lot of stairs. And my mother, in her 80s, is starting to have trouble with the stairs. We're putting in an elevator. So we called an architect, and the architect sat down with us and said, okay, I can start on plans for you in six months. 
I know that's the tip of the iceberg. I know if the architect can't start for six months, the contractor probably can't start for another six months. And by the way, the fact that they're in such demand means that I'm going to pay a lot more for every leg on this journey. And we started to wonder, are we going to over-improve the value of this home so much that it doesn't make sense on our street? I think we need to go back to, you know, the wants versus the needs or the necessary. I'll tell you this, one of my clients, it's not quite renovating a house as a whole, but one of their retirement goals was that they would buy a car that would be big enough since they'll be now living closer to their children to accommodate the gang of grandchildren that they imagine helping with all the time. With COVID and all of its unintended consequences, delays happened, and now they are at the time where they actually need that car. When we look through how much that same car that we were looking at cost in 2020 versus now, the cost just didn't make sense for their financial plan. So we were able to say, okay, if we just buy a slightly smaller car, maybe maybe the kids will become a little bit more closer together. Uh, it'll make much more sense than if we were to buy uh, that larger car. So flexibility is key in these cases, Jean, making sure that you really look at what we need versus what we want. And it is always helpful to have somebody on your side that can help you navigate through these decisions, come out of that emotional bubble, so to speak, uh, and give you objective advice when it comes to what you should do. Definitely engage a realtor because they will be able to answer those questions. Am I pricing myself out of this? And in that case, you can simply make the decision. Do I do this because I'll enjoy it for the next 20 years, knowing that I will not get my money back? Or do I do the smarter thing, which is to make sure that I am renovating to actually get more bang for my buck later when I discharge this property? Either way, talk to a financial professional. You can always reach one by visiting planEFE.com. That's planEFE.com. You're listening to Rose Young. She's an Edelman Financial Engines Wealth Planner. This is Soledad O'Brien along with Jean Chatsky. We're focused right now on what is happening with interest rates and why you have to keep on keeping an eye on where they're going, which is up and up and up. Um, we're focused specifically on big ticket items, whether you're doing a renovation or you're trying to buy a car. My solution, Rose, might be decide which grandchild is not your favorite. And that one can just not get a seat. <laughs> I'm kidding, kidding. It's an interesting question deciding if you're just never, ever, ever going to get your money back in your house, right? An elevator sounds incredibly luxurious to someone who might be looking for a house. It's a necessity if you have an elderly parent who's going to be there a lot. They're absolutely not going to come and visit if there's no way for them to get up the stairs. You know, you really have to figure out what is critical and what is something that you could put off for a long time. And then the question is, how do you pay for it? When we've been looking at this series of renovations, our financial advisor gave us some advice knowing that it's going to be likely a good year before everything gets started, that we should just be stockpiling cash for that. Because knowing that interest rates are on the rise, being able to minimize the amount that you're borrowing is something that you want to keep in mind. As you talk to your clients, Rose, about projects like this, how are you telling them to pay for it? 
Yeah. So going back to Soledad's point about what is valuable and what is not, the conversation has to start there in order to make sure that expectations are set properly. Like you guys have been discussing, if you break the walls and find something, it needs to be fixed. So making sure that you have a good contingency plan ahead of these big projects is always, always key. So make sure that you are looking at the value of your home, as we've just talked about, Gene, and what you're adding to it when you resell it, or is it just for enjoyment? Goals are goals. How would you pay for it? Cash is probably the best way if you have that sitting on the side. Please do not use credit cards, but you can always look at home equity line of credits, home improvement loans, personal loans. Again, if you are going to get into debt, especially if it's closer to retirement, please make sure that you have a plan in place to make sure you can pay that debt and make sure that that debt isn't going to be a hindrance to your other goals. You need to always talk to a financial professional to make sure that you are not looking at this particular project in isolation. Make sure you are looking at it in a broader sense. You can always reach an Edelman Financial Engines Planner, 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-PLAN-EFE. Some days when these renovations just get to be too much and no contractors will return my calls, I think I'm just going to chuck it all and hit the road in an RV. And actually, the popularity of the RV life, as they like to call it, or the RV retirement, it is hotter than it's ever been. In the last 20 years, RV ownership in the United States has shot up 62%, more than 11 million people own RVs. Half of them are 55 and over. And another 10 million households plan to buy an RV in the next five years. I got to say, it sounds very attractive to me until I think about the bathroom issues. I don't know about you, Soledad. RVs have some seriously amazing bathrooms. I mean, I I actually have to clean the tank. Do you like, I've seriously looked at this. I mean, yes, the bathrooms are beautiful, but you actually are responsible for disposing of the waste. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. And sometimes you may just need to try out the lifestyle before you actually commit. Because as you're saying, even though they are popular, many people do not really consider the cost of an RV. These things can cost as much as a house. So it's a big commitment. I have a few clients that for the past three years, all they've been talking about, Jean, is just getting on the road and living on the land-ish, right? Because these RV camps are pretty nice and just not having to be tethered to to one location. Uh, This particular client that I'm thinking about, however, it was the husband who was talking about it more so than the wife who was nodding and agreeing simply because she thought he was going to change his mind until retirement was very near. And now we're really putting this RV into the broader plan for her to say, just like Jean, I don't know if I can deal with the bathroom situation one. I don't know if I want to live on the road full time or even a few weeks at a time. And in those situations, I don't know if many people have considered this, renting out one for a little bit of time allows you to actually see what you would like in an RV, as well as whether or not that's a sustainable lifestyle for you. I don't think I'd live in it. I mean, you know, aside from the bathroom issues, if I could get over the bathroom issues, I, I think I'd like to take a trip in an RV. I might like to go across the country in an RV. I don't want to live in an RV. How about you? Uh, You know, the story that Rose is telling is so similar because Brad has a whole plan about living in an RV. 
I, I, I did not <laughs> nod my head. I was like, that sounds amazing to do with your second wife, who is not me, because <laughs> that's not happening. But I, I actually am in RVs a lot. You know, for horse shows, a lot of people travel to them in RVs because it actually saves a lot of money on the housing. And then anytime there's breaking news, you go to a location where you might be for months at a time and you stay in an RV. And let me promise you, these are not nice RVs. These are terrible, <laughs> terrible RVs. So I, not, as I get older, I think about it. I just, I wouldn't like leave my house behind, but I'm curious how you, Rose, would advise a client how do you figure out the finances of of how you do it? Because obviously it's not normal retirement planning. Well, it kind of is for many people. So buying an RV isn't going to be a lot different than buying a second home in most cases. So we have to add either a lump sum purchase amount into your broader financial plan or whether or not we can figure out what the monthly payments of the RV is going to be and make sure that you can afford it on an ongoing basis. So just making sure that you also include some of the regular expenses that might come with a home, but other expenses that come with an RV, like extra insurance, that wouldn't necessarily come with a regular house. When we're talking about homes, though, we hope that our homes will rise in price while we own them, or that at least we'll be able to get our money out if we're buying a second home. That's not true of an RV. An RV is going to depreciate, and it's going to depreciate often really quickly. Does that mean you should just buy used? Even if you did buy used, they could be very expensive. A used RV could be upwards of $60,000. So this is not a small purchase. So also considering whether or not that depreciation in value is going to be impactful later on in life. Many who have a second home plan on consolidating into one later on in life and kind of getting their money back, as you've mentioned, Jean. And in a case of an RV, you'll be getting less, most likely, than you've put into it. So how does that impact your overall financial plan? How does that impact your estate plan? If one of your plans was to leave some money behind to your kids, definitely sit down with somebody. Sit down with somebody and discuss all these unintended consequences that might come with your changing lifestyle in retirement. You can always reach out to an Edelman Financial Engines Wealth Planner by visiting planefe.com. That's planefe.com. When you are Talking about retirement, Rose, one big decision that many people are asked to make is whether to take a pension in the form of a lump sum or let it pay out over time in, in the form of an annuity. It boggles the mind because there are a lot of numbers involved, but we are going to break down how to make this decision in just a few easy steps. I'm Jean Chatsky here with Soledad O'Brien and Rose Neung. You're listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth. Recession, inflation, rising interest rates. If you're wondering what today's economic challenges mean for you, join Edelman Financial Engines on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern for a brand new virtual event, The Economic Storm of 2022 and Your Wealth. A roundtable discussion hosted by me, Jean Chatsky, and featuring wealth planners from Edelman Financial Engines. You can register right now at planefe.com. You'll get timely insights into today's market situation and learn steps to consider now. Are you making the right financial moves? What could you be doing differently? 
Don't miss this important virtual event. Join us for the economic storm of 2022 and your wealth hosted by me, Jean Chatsky, on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. There is no cost to attend. There's also no obligation. So you can register right now at planefe.com. That's planefe.com for Edelman Financial Engines. 20% of Americans still have a pension. Are you one of those lucky 20%? If you are, you may have a pressing decision to make. If you retire now, do you take a lump sum or grab maybe the monthly annuities? What if I told you that as time ticks away and interest rates move higher, your decision today could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars? Hi, I'm Rose Young, an Edelman Financial Engines Planner from Atlanta, Georgia. I am here with Soledad O'Brien and Jean Chatsky. We've been discussing why you should absolutely care about interest rates. And taking a lump sum distribution of a pension could be one of those things where you only have one chance to get it right. Oh boy, Rose, you are so right. I mean, these days there are far fewer people than there used to be who are lucky enough to have a pension. And if you're one of them, you definitely don't want to blow it, which is why it's so important to make sure that you have all the numbers, all of the information, so that you just put yourself in the best position to make the right decision for you. And in in my opinion, this is not something that you do by yourself. This is one of those times where you want to work with a wealth planner. You want to have them run all of the scenarios so that you can see what they look like plotted out into the future. That's exactly right. And that's what you will get if you worked with one of my over 300 colleagues at Edelman Financial Engines. So then walk us through how exactly does time and sort of where interest rates are play into making the decision the right way, Rose? Because your lump sum payment for your pension is determined by current interest rates. So that's why interest rates play such a big role in how much you get from your pension. Similar to, you know, when they list the jackpot of a lottery and say it's a billion dollars, the winner doesn't actually get a billion dollars when they take the lump sum because that is what the total future payments would have been if they got it, let's say, on a monthly basis. So the lump sum is the present value of those future payments based on a set interest rate. So if you're one of those people, if you're one of the 20% of people who have a pension, when interest rates go up, is that a good thing for your lump sum or is it a bad thing for your lump sum? Can you explain the correlation? Because the lump sum is the current value of what your future payments would have been, The higher the interest rate, the lower your lump sum. The idea behind this is that you will be able to take a lump sum chunk of money, invest it, and have an opportunity for it to be somewhat equal to what you would have gotten if you, let's say, took that pension on a monthly basis. So they're a little like the calculations on a mortgage. Exactly. They are a little bit like a calculation on a mortgage. So if you have a mortgage, the higher the interest rate, the higher your payments. The pension payments aren't impacted by interest rate. The lump sum is impacted by interest rates. So let's say I'm your client and I am sitting on a pension and I'm mulling. Should I take it now 
or should I take it next year, knowing that we're in this rising interest rate environment? That's where we get into this question of timing. How do I make that decision? Yeah, if you took a lump sum now, it will probably be bigger than the lump sum you would get next year because we are in that rising interest rate environment. So I'll give you a quick example. If your pension is, let's say, $3,000 a month, and the timetable they were calculating it for is for you to receive it for 30 years, if current rates used were 4%, you would have gotten $630,000 or so. If the rate used jumps to 6%, your lump sum amount goes down to about $502,000. That's a $128,000 difference. That is serious money. So Rose, there's a lot to think about here, right? My mind is sort of spinning with all of the details, but are there other things that I need to think about besides the impact of interest rates when I'm trying to decide, okay, I've got this pension. Should you take it this year versus next year versus the year after that? Uh, We first need to consider if you were to retire, let's say now, and and take the pension lump sum because interest rates will get higher next year, what are you missing out on by not working for that extra year? How would it be impacted if you were still earning credits towards that pension? So those are some first questions, some good questions to ask ahead of time. Do you ever consider recommending taking the annuity instead of the lump sum. And and what's the impact of inflation and interest rates there? Whether you take the lump sum or the annuity really depends on your unique situation. People need to look at their whole financial plan and assets before making that decision. Based on general calculation, every 1% increase in interest rate reduces the lump sum by approximately 8 to 10%. Keep in mind, if rates go down, the reverse can also be true. Some people want a guarantee and certainty, while others want the flexibility and ability to have more control over their assets with a lump sum. I just want to point out that the rising interest rates actually do affect those who are still trying to determine whether they want to retire this year or next year. But the annuity payments generally are diminished by the impacts of inflation because they don't typically include a cost of living adjustment. So getting the lump sum will give you a little bit of more choices when it comes to how to invest it and also the option to leave it to your heirs if you were to pass early or even lived long but didn't just depend on it as much as somebody else would have. That's a really good point because when you take an annuity, One of the things that you're deciding is how do you take this annuity? Am I taking it just based on my lifespan? Am I taking it based on my lifespan and the lifespan of my spouse? Am I taking it with a guarantee that it will pay out for 10 years, even if I die before 10 years are up? It's really complicated. Again, Rose, I think this is just one of those times where you want to eliminate the stress by talking to somebody. So think about giving the wealth planners at Edelman Financial Engines a call. You can do that by picking up the phone and dialing 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-PLAN-EFE because while interest rates will come down, eventually you should make sure that you're doing everything that you can right now to take advantage before things change drastically. 
I'm Jean Chatsky here with Soledad O'Brien and Rose Neyoung. You are listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth, and we'll be right back. Recession, inflation, rising interest rates. If you're wondering what today's economic challenges mean for you, join Edelman Financial Engines on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern for a brand new virtual event, The Economic Storm of 2022 and Your Wealth, a roundtable discussion hosted by me, Jean Chatsky, and featuring wealth planners from Edelman Financial Engines. You can register right now at planefe.com. You'll get timely insights into today's market situation and learn steps to consider now. Are you making the right financial moves? What could you be doing differently? Don't miss this important virtual event. Join us for the economic storm of 2022 and your wealth, hosted by me, Jean Chatsky, on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. There is no cost to attend. There's also no obligation. So you can register right now at planefe.com. That's planefe.com for Edelman Financial Engines. Are you thinking about buying a new home? High prices, low inventory, interest rates that will be continuing to rise might be keeping you on the sidelines. But what if buying a second home could hedge against inflation? Would it make sense then? Hi, everybody. I'm Soledad O'Brien. I'm here with Gene Chatsky and Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner Rose Young. Today, we've been talking about why you should continue to be interested in interest rates. And we're going to get to my very favorite topic, which is real estate. So inflation right now is at 8.5%. Mortgage rates right now, according to Nerd Wallet, are at 5.6%. So inflation is higher than mortgage rates. The National Association of Realtors had a report last May, and they said that the cost of purchasing a home in the U.S. has increased 55% from 2021. Like, that's absolutely insane. Now, we know mortgage applications are falling. Can you explain the correlation between home prices and inflation? How are they connected? Historically, they have moved pretty much in lockstep. Historically, if you go way, way back, home prices have gone up at about the same rate as inflation. But as as you pointed out, this year, it's been wildly different. Yeah, inflation is higher than we've seen in a really long time, but the cost of purchasing a home in the U.S. is up more than 50% year over year. And there are a lot of factors that go into that. We've got the pandemic and the fact that more millennials are entering their home buying years and the fact that we've got an imbalance of supply and demand. So all of those things are to blame for this bubble, if you want to call it that, in prices that we've seen recently. Should that variation, or what my dad would call the delta between those two numbers. <laughs> Should that matter in your decision about whether or not it's it's the appropriate time to get a second home? It depends on really what you're going to use that house for. Is it a place for everybody to gather? Is it for family legacy? Are you buying a home for a parent or even college kids? Or are you even going to split your time between these two homes like you are doing, Soledad? That definitely determines whether or not the inflation or interest rates in these houses really matter. 
what I'm seeing is that because of higher interest rates, the competition has really fallen out. I mean, there was a time where you could not buy a house yes. if you didn't walk in with cash. And by the way, within an hour and a half of looking at the house, you literally had to come back with an all cash offer or it just wasn't going to happen. And now I actually think people who've been waiting to get into the market can get into the market because those homes, I've seen homes now, you know, people are waiting 30 days, 40, like they're still waiting. Now that means negotiation, right, with the homeowner. Uh, some of the crazy prices have had to come down because people aren't even mm-hmm. bothering to look at those houses. And other competition has dropped out. So I, I feel like some people who are looking for homes are are in a weirdly in a bit of a better position because at least now they have a chance if they can do the math of the financing of the home. If they have good credit and if they have a down payment, absolutely. But I think their opportunity is actually going to get better. I think as interest rates continue to rise, this froth that is still in the market in some areas is going to get taken down an even more significant notch. And we're just going to be able to breathe again, knowing that you can see a house actually sleep on whether you want to buy it and go back the next day and make an offer. If we're looking at how you should proceed when buying the second home, as mentioned, making sure you know how to use it is very important because that determines really how you should proceed with paying for set home. If you are buying an investment property, you need to be cautious about financing to get that investment property because rates will be higher uh, at that point. And you need to assure that the income from said property is able to cover not only the higher interest rate, but also any maintenance costs that may come with said rental. And you're never really sure, right? I mean, I know a number of people who bought a property to Airbnb it, and they took out a loan to buy that property. And because of rising interest rates, a lot of people who are going to go on those vacations actually have not. So they they thought they'd be able to easily pay back that loan by just having the house booked. But now the house is empty, but they still have their payments to make. And so it is truly a real challenge when you're thinking about an investment property to finance it by uh, taking out a mortgage on it. And when you're looking at an investment property, the interest rate is always going to be higher than it's going to be on your primary residence because the bank is thinking about it from their perspective. And they believe, rightly so, that if you had to let one of those payments slide, you're going to keep the one that keeps the roof over your own head, right? So you're going to continue to pay on your primary residence. And therefore, they price that second home investment property rate higher because they understand that they're taking a a little more risk. So Rose, what sort of a contingency plan do you need to have in case those reservations for that property that you thought that you might be able to Airbnb or rent out in some other way um, just dry up? Make sure you have a good, good cash reserve for the rental property for repairs, maintenance. Make sure you also have cash reserve for when the rent dries up, like you said, if it's an Airbnb, if people don't show up, if it's an annual lease, if you have a vacancy 
for a longer period of time. And, and that's why it's really not wise to buy it with borrowed money because you'll still have to pay that debt even if the house remains empty. And also, I've had friends who went in in good faith to do an Airbnb, and then the local laws changed. People mm-hmm. got sick of it. The neighbors didn't like it. There were lots of complaints. And suddenly, uh, they had an Airbnb, but no actual legal ability to have an Airbnb. So clearly, there are a whole bunch of things that you need to know and you need to think about before you even go into any kind of a rental property or an Airbnb specifically. Absolutely. And also insurance, especially on those Airbnbs. You have many people coming in and out of that property, making sure that you are fully insured is one of them. Another one is taxes on rental properties can be very complicated. So please work with a tax professional. I don't know if you guys have heard about the Augusta rule, because a lot of people are not just Airbnb being a second home. Some of them may be temporarily Airbnb being their own primary residence. So the rule basically states that if you rent out your home for 14 days or less a year, you don't necessarily have to report that to the IRS as rental income. Anything above that needs to be reported as income. So all those complications, all those landmines are there for those who are looking to rent out a house, whether temporarily or on a long-term basis. So be careful and make sure that you are working with a tax professional and of course, a financial planner. And the Inflation Reduction Act just funneled a lot of money to the IRS. So my guess is that people who think that they can skirt these rules may not be able to. I mean, bottom line, Rose, I guess you may make less than you think once you factor in all the care and feeding of these rental properties. Especially these temporary rentals because they're becoming very popular because a friend of a friend told you that they're making boohoo money on it. You've not considered low location, uh, as Soledad has mentioned, you also have not considered your freeloading friends and family. A friend of ours had an apartment in Hilton Head, driving distance from my home here in Georgia, and didn't really do a good job of explaining to us that this is an investment property. And we've used it so many times, and it didn't really make sense for them uh, towards the end, so they had to sell it because they weren't really making as much money as possible. Listen, it's the math around, is this worth doing, right? And there are so many expenses uh, and discounts that come with the Airbnb. Like, it really is complicated. It definitely is something that you should sit down with someone to walk through, right? Because if you're calculating, is this worth doing? At the end of the day, am I going to end up with $10.58 from all the work I'm putting into my Airbnb? You know, there's a good chance it's not worth it. So I would definitely recommend that people get a financial planner to help them walk through the value of that decision. Absolutely. And, and if you are looking for a partner that can help you navigate through this decision, you can always reach out to us by visiting planefe.com. Give me five things that you should think about before you rent your house on Airbnb, Rose. Definitely look at the local laws and ordinances. Make sure that this house can be used for temporary rental. Make sure you are fully insured. Consider rental income. This income can be taxable if you've rented it out for a certain number of days. Also, make sure that you are looking into time you spend maintaining the property or just managing the property. And you also may make less than you think just because of friends, family, kids using it more than you have accounted for. Thank you so much, Rose. If you have a question, we would love to talk to you right here on the air. And you can visit us 
at everydaywealth.com to submit your question. Together with an EFE wealth planner like Rose, we can talk through potential solutions that would be personal to you. If you want to catch a show that you might have missed, you can always listen to the podcast at everydaywealth.com or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. We love feedback. So if you like what you hear, leave us a review. If you don't like it, well, we don't want to hear from you. No, I'm kidding. We do still. <laughs> uh, we do still want to hear from you. Take a second and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. That's our show for today. Have a great week, everybody. On Tuesday, September 20th, Edelman Financial Engines is hosting a brand new virtual event called The Economic Storm of 2022, a roundtable discussion featuring best-selling author Gene Chatsky and Edelman Financial Engines wealth planners Isabel Barrow and Brandon Corso. There's no cost to attend and no obligation. Register now at planefe.com. That's planefe.com. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien, Gene Chatsky, and Rose Neyoung. Tune in each week for fresh and compelling insights and strategies to help elevate your financial potential. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcasts.